Attention all fierce women who want to become their own CEO and build real in-person community. If you are in the LA area, I would love for you to join me and my personal business coach, Elaine Lou Cardis, at her next live event, Color Your Dreams, on Saturday, September 21st, from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. at the University Club of Pasadena. If you are in the LA area and you're a woman, an ambitious woman who wants to be her own CEO, or maybe you already have a business and you want to take it to the next level, join Elaine and I to learn how you can start to attract your ideal soulmate clients through great messaging using social media without the need for paid ads. You'll learn how to build real connection with your followers, how to show up as your authentic self and how to fill your coaching programs and offers through your messaging on social media. If you've been struggling to attract ideal clients or even clients at all in your business and you feel like you're doing all of the things and getting no results, you need to come to this event. It's completely free and it's really a great way to not only learn from incredible coaches, but also build a community of like-minded women who are also making an impact in the world. Space is limited, and these events often have hundreds of women who register, so don't wait to register. The link is in the show notes, and I cannot wait to see you then. Aloha, gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Sleep matters to everyone. My guest today, Joanna Clark of Blissful Baby Sleep Coaching, is on a mission to ensure that no parent endures the pain of sleep deprivation, overwhelm, and relentless questioning of their self-worth because they have a child that does not sleep through the night. As a former sleep-deprived parent, Joanna knows exactly how frustrating and isolating it feels to want what's best for your child and yet can no longer tolerate living in a sleep-deprived haze. As a trained and certified gentle sleep coach, Joanna expertly guides families through her guilt-free, minimal tears, and gentle sleep coaching process that results in easy, drama-free bedtimes, peaceful nights, reliable naps, confident parenting, and more marital harmony. Joanna has devoted nearly a decade to helping over 800 families, literally thousands of family members, achieve restful sleep and restore balance to their family life. In today's episode, we talk about what exactly she does as a sleep coach and dispel a lot of the misconceptions that people have around sleep coaching and sleep training. We talk about why she does not believe in using the cry it out method and her approach to helping children and families achieve blissful sleep. She explains the three different skills needed to develop healthy sleep, not just for children, but throughout your life. She explains what sleep crutches are, when they are beneficial to your child, and when they become problematic. Joanna also gives hope to all of the families who might be struggling with sleep and action steps that you can take to start restoring your family's sleep. This is a really eye-opening episode about a topic that most of us don't know much about, but all of us sleep, and so I'm so excited to share this with you all. 
If this resonates with you or you know someone who could benefit from listening to this episode, go ahead and send them a message with the link to the podcast and be a hero in someone else's life today. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Joanna. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Lee, and I'm a business mindset coach, public speaker, world record holder, power lifter, and self-love advocate. I believe that there is so much power in owning and sharing our story, which is why on this podcast, I interview other powerful women about the challenges that they have overcome to be where they are today. My goal for this podcast is to create a safe space for all women to share their real, raw, and mostly unedited stories that will leave you empowered to live more authentically, openly, and freely. If you're looking to up-level your happiness, success, and fulfillment, then you've come to the right place. Look at this podcast as your weekly dose of personal development and mindset work to help you shift into your most uplifted self. Thank you so much for pressing play today. And now let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Joanna Clark of Blissful Baby Sleep Coaching. She is a certified gentle sleep coach and has helped over 800 families achieve restful sleep and restore balance to their life. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you and to talk about sleep and sleep coaching and really help to dispel a lot of the misconceptions that I think a lot of people have around sleep and sleep coaching. So before we get into all of that, I would love for you to share a story from your past that brought you into the work that you're doing today as a sleep coach. Okay, so as it often happens that we we teach what we need to learn. Uh, so, you know, many years ago, I was a sleep deprived mother myself. Uh, I, at the time, my child, my daughter was nine months of age. I don't think I had ever really slept in those first nine months. She was a colicky baby. Um, uh, she was very demanding with her nursing and was up um, probably every hour all night long. And because I had a nursing relationship with her, all she wanted was me. Um, and so my husband was really kind of cut out of the process to be able to su- support me and help me at night, both at bedtime and also in the middle of the night when this child, <laughs> this beautiful child of mine was so demanding of my time, attention, focus, and um, relentless nursing. And I was just utterly exhausted. I was depleted. I was overwhelmed. Uh, and at the time, there was not many, I, I didn't have any, many mommy friends. So I felt very isolated. And of course I started, you know, talking to my pediatrician, what can I do? I'm really sleep deprived. My child, I can tell she's sleep deprived too. She's not happy. Uh, and they didn't really have a lot of options to share with me, except let her cry it out, which intuitively as a mother just did not feel right to me on any level. So thus began, you know, began my journey of, uh, research and exploration in order to find the right solutions to help my baby learn how to sleep well um, and for that process to go smoothly and also for that to have lasting effects so that she would always have beautiful sleep habits. Uh, And once I solved that issue, it became kind of my lifelong passion to help other mothers 
Uh, and in fact, I became one of the first 50 certified gentle sleep coaches in the country. Uh, it's been almost nine years ago. And so I've been working with families uh, one-on-one ever since to help craft their individualized sleep plan and walk them step-by-step through uh, my gentle sleep coaching signature process, which is very focused on attachment-oriented parenting, um, where you know really it's minimizing tears, minimizing frustration, and ultimately we are not doing anything remotely close to cry it out, which is amazing because the the child just gets to really learn their sleep skills, and you get to watch this beautiful learning process evolve uh, and be supportive in the whole process. So I'm very passionate about sleep. I'm very passionate about children getting the sleep they need for healthy development. Uh, And I'm even more passionate about parents getting the sleep that they need so that they can be the parent that they want to be. Because when you're exhausted and overwhelmed, it's really hard to be that loving mommy Uh, daddy, spouse, employee, friend that you intended to be when you had your baby. Oh, absolutely. So I want to kind of, you know, go back to that cry it out method, Mm -hmm. because it was my impression when I heard about sleep training, and I actually have a master's degree in behavior analysis. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was always like, yeah, you just let them cry it out, like, they'll learn, right? Mm -hmm. But I would love to know more about your approach. And maybe your your view on the cry it out method. Yes, absolutely. I would love the opportunity to kind of dispel some some myths and also to offer some some sleep science and behavioral science to really put this in perspective. So big picture is that sleep is actually a learned skill. Okay. So just like babies learn how to roll and then they learn how to stand and then they learn how to walk. And some of these major important developmental milestones that happen in the first 20 months of life. Those skills are, yes, required and biological, just like sleep, right? Every child learns how to roll. Every child learns how to stand. Every child learns how to walk. Um, And we as parents, when our children are learning these really important developmental milestones, we support them, right? So we, um, we, we monitor them. We let them practice in a safe environment. We create the, the right circumstances for them to practice their new skills. So if you look at sleep through that same developmental lens, in terms of it's a biological need, but it's also a learned skill, then you start to kind of understand why cry it out would not work. Because there's three skills underneath the ability to sleep. There's the ability to self-regulate, followed by the ability to self-settle, followed by the ability to self-soothe. So when your child is learning sleep skills, they actually have to learn three separate skills that they learn how to use in sequence, and then in tandem with one another. And so if a child doesn't have the right circumstances and the right environment to begin to practice those skills, then they don't ever learn them. (laughs) And then we as parents end up having to use sleep crutches in order to help the child go to sleep and stay asleep. So a sleep crutch is defined as anything that has to be done to or for a child at the onset of sleep. Typically, that child will need some version of that same assistance 
at every single partial arousal all night long. So for example, let's say like it was in my case, my child required me to nurse her down on my breast. So she would, she would nurse and then she would suckle to sleep in my arms. And then when I would go to transfer her to a new sleeping environment, which in that case was her crib, she would immediately wake up within half an hour to 45 minutes, which is a normal sleep cycle for her age. And then she would look around and go, huh, I don't know how to go back to sleep myself. Hey, where's that sleep crutch I had at the onset of sleep? Oh, yes, my mother's breastfeeding. I would like that again, please, to help me fall back into my sleep cycle. And so then she would fall, you know, I'd nurse her back down with the sleep crutch, let her fall asleep in arms, put her back in the crib. And then next partial arousal, she would wake up and need that same support. So for me with her, she was, you know, she, at the time she was having arousal cycles every 90 to 110 minutes all night long. And every single time she had that arousal cycle, she would wake up enough to say, Hey, I don't know how to go back to sleep myself. Cause I haven't learned my sleep skills. And then she would need me to come in and do something to or for her in order for her to go back to sleep. Right. So that's kind of how sleep crutches develop. And so once that starts happening, then the child hasn't really learned any sleep skills, independent sleep. They haven't learned how to self-regulate. They haven't learned how to self-settle and they haven't learned how to self-soothe so that they can go to sleep independently. So really what sleep coaching really is, it's about creating the right circumstances and environment for your child to learn these three foundational lifelong healthy sleep habits. And so I really like to look at sleep as when you're teaching the sleep skills as a baby or, you know, zero to, well, really you want to start sleep training beyond, you know, sometime after six months of age up until about six years of age is, is really a prime time that the child, if they're learning those beautiful sleep skills in that time of life, they have an establishment for lifelong healthy sleep habits. And again, we want that. We want that for that, for our children. So once a parent starts to see this through the lens of developmental learning and that it's really up to them to create the right circumstances and environment, and there are different methodologies that help them create the right circumstance and environment for learning, then you can see that sleep coaching actually is probably the one of the most important and beautiful processes you could actually do with your child for lifelong healthy sleep habits. Wow, that's so powerful. I didn't, as a behavior analyst, even I didn't even know that there were those three different skills. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that needs to be more widely spread in the child development world. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that's part of the reason why so many families are struggling with being sleep deprived, having sleep deprived kids, sleep deprived parents because of this lack of education? Or what do you think the reason is behind why? I mean, so many people are walking around. I mean, you gave me a statistic. You said like 44 total days of sleep during the baby's first year of life. Oh, the parents lose an average of 44 days. I mean, that's like crazy. So I mean, what's going on with this? I know it's, it, it is, it's, it, I almost feel like it's an unspoken epidemic, <laughs> the epidemic, yeah. of, the epidemic of, you know, uh, sleep deprived, overwhelmed parents that aren't really getting the support they need around this important topic. And I think that the, one of the reasons why that is, is there's a lot of misinformation about sleep coaching and what it really is and what is the goal of it right? And that's one of the reasons why cried out doesn't work for so many families is that the child is not learning 
how to self-regulate, self-settle, or self-soothe when you leave them in a room unattended to crash out. Because that's all that crying out does. It teaches them to crash out. And really what we want them to, to learn is if they're frustrated that they can employ some self-settling skills such as standing up, sitting down. Like if the child's old enough to, you know, be up on the crib, they stand up, they sit down, they roll around, they grab their lovey, they flop their legs up against the crib rail. They mumble to themselves. Like babies will do really interesting things that don't appear to be like settling skills don't always look relaxing, right? Settling skills look like I'm frustrated. What can I do to downregulate myself? And then when they're, when they become settled, Then they move into the more traditional soothing things such as, you know, rubbing their lovey uh, or grabbing their own pacifier or uh, rubbing their hands or their face on the crib sheet or making raspberry sounds. Like depending on the age and stage of the child, there's lots and lots of different settling and soothing behaviors that we're looking for and that we're trying to encourage. And when a parent's in the room, we can help them downregulate and we can help them um, you know, find their blanket, find their lovey, we can encourage them to settle. And once they begin doing that, they they start to, you know, again, we're there teaching them in the room. So that's why the cry it out doesn't work is because leaving a child unattended only helps them cry themselves to sleep, which is, there's no learning profile there. Um, but so, sorry, I kind of deviated. So the, the, you know, this kind of pseudo epidemic going on, there's just a lot of misinformation. And so families will get online and they'll look up articles on sleep. And sometimes the articles are too vague, or they might be reading an article that is geared towards a 12 month old when they have a three month old, and then they try things, um, not recognizing that the age and stage of the child, what you do to help a child learn how to regulate, settle and soothe is very, very dependent on the child's temperament, very dependent on the child's age and stage. So people dabble in sleep coaching, and then they have miserable experiences. And so when they have a miserable experience, they just give up. And they kind of go back into the sleep coach cycle. And they kind of go into a state of toleration. Um, And because the the pediatricians don't have a lot of time to talk about sleep with their patients, you know, unless the family really has had, you know, been lucky enough to maybe had a friend that's done sleep coaching, or, you know, recognize that they can go out and look for support, they just stay kind of in this zone of toleration for long, long periods, um, hoping that their child will quote, grow out of it. Now, I want to say that not every child has difficulty learning their sleep skills, right? So some babies tend to be kind of more delicate in nature and be sensitive sleepers. And those are the ones that tend to develop a lot of sleep crutches and really need the support and that, you know, really optimum learning environment to learn their sleep skills. So it's not everybody that's going to have this problem. I want to be clear, but those that are having this problem where the child has a lot of broken sleep and nothing you do really works or sticks or lasts, and there's a lot of chaos at night, then that's usually the individuals that would really benefit from seeking some support to help them unravel and understand the nature of the sleep situation. So that's, you know, it's just a lot of misinformation and not recognizing that there's hope and help to be had when things get difficult. Yeah, 100%. I think, unfortunately, the way that our healthcare system is, it's 
it's not, they don't look at those things often and that holistic approach. It's like, okay, take this medication, like, you know, putting a bandaid on it instead of like diving deeper. And maybe if you fix the sleep, like everything else, I mean, that's tied to so many of our health problems, you know, is this lack of sleep. And I think it's something that even people without kids, I I don't have kids, but I mean, I think I'm chronically sleep deprived. And now I'm curious if that was because of maybe how I, my sleep patterns developed as a child. You know, it's a really good point. I feel that, uh, again, I'm always looking at this of laying down the foundation of lifelong sleep skills. Like, so for example, you know, sometimes I work with a lot of families that have like three and four year olds because they've been kind of tolerating the sleep situation for three or four years. And then they have their second child. And then they realize that they're really in crisis because now they have two children to care for. And the sleep challenges with the three-year-old is really starting to affect the family unit. And when we help that three-year-old learn their sleep skills, then what's really fascinating is the child learns a lot of body awareness. Like they start to say, Hey, mommy, I'm tired, right? Mommy, I'm sleepy. And, you know, body awareness, especially as they get older is like such an important part of like health, right? That, that if a child knows like, oh, I am hungry, I am tired, um, I need to take a break, I'm overstimulated, I, I need a hug, I need a snuggle, right? You know, all that body awareness is, is helped during those first years of life, which then help us know what we need to do for ourselves in the future. Right. So yeah. And I think create healthy boundaries with ourselves. Yes, totally. Totally healthy boundaries. I mean, that's a big part of this, you know, with like sleep independence and, you know, in terms of the, the, the fact that there's parents don't have a lot of places to go ask questions. I think that that's another big problem that there obviously are websites and there are forums, but every single child's sleep situation is so uniquely different. Because if you look at, when I work with a family, I am literally looking at their life like a giant puzzle. You know, it's, it's everything about what's going on with that child's age and stage and development and temperament and kind of what the nature of their sleep challenges are. Then I'm looking at like mom's schedule, dad's schedule, the work logistics, the different caregivers that are helping care for this child, looking at what their family values are, what their goals are, you know, and really it's, it's so much more, it really is a family sleep transformation because there is so much more going on than just this child's sleep. When we get the child sleeping, life gets so much better. Like oftentimes when a family um, has a child with a lot of broken sleep, we start to see a lot of disintegration in communication in the marriage. Um, we see families that, you know, that previously were, you know, loved cooking together or working out or, um, had, you know, a lot of hobbies, like all the hobbies go away, the working out goes away, the healthy eating goes away and everyone goes into survival mode and all the things that make life full disappear and the only thing that's really happening is this kind of survival mode in the caretaking of the child. And, and so a person's life becomes very narrow. And oftentimes then we get, you know, depression, we get anxiety. So, you know, it's not just that your baby's not sleeping, like it will start to disintegrate other parts of how you live your life or how you want to live your life. You'll start noticing you're not socializing with your friends. You don't have any me time. Um, you don't have any time as a couple. 
again, the miscommunication, lots of disharmony in the marriage is frequent when families come to me. Yeah. I mean, you lose creativity, you lose, you know, I mean, I know for me when I feel those days that I'm just so exhausted, it's like, I, I can't do anything. I can't be creative. I can't feel like I can show up as my best. And it's like, that's just, that's not the way to live. Right. And you know, for, for, yes, I mean, it's a couple of days. I mean, a couple of days of bad sleep is enough to kind of put you in a, in a funk. Imagine relentless day after day, day after day of that, that, that you really like your zest for life just kind of dissipates. And, you know, again, when you go to, 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 to build a family. I mean, you take beautiful care of yourself during the pregnancy. You take great care to have a healthy birth. And then, you know, you want to be this awesome parent and you want to be in partnership with your, with your partner, not in discord with your partner, right? Cause that's not why you want to start a family to be in discord. Right. And then, you know, all this happens and you're looking at all of a sudden eight, 10, 12, 18 months, three years pass by. And you're like, wow, I just spent the last, you know, three years in complete sleep deprivation. I don't even know what, you know, I just lost three years of being in my life. I want to go back to that concept of these sleep crutches Mm -hmm. because I, I never heard that term before. So I'm wondering like, what are some examples of those? And do you always see those sleep crutches as something that, because I know you mentioned before, like, you know, maybe snuggling with like a blanket or a stuffed animal or a pacifier, like, could those be sleep crutches? Are they always bad? Like, what is tell me more about that? Fabulous question, Randy. Thank you. So all right, let's kind of kind of go big picture. So in the world of sleep science, uh, the newborn phase is considered zero to six months. Okay, so it's a very, very delicate phase of development. And so as it relates to sleep, we as parents do a lot to help our babies go to sleep and our help our babies go back to sleep. So we nurse, we rock, we hold, we wear, we drive around, um, we, we bottle feed, we breastfeed, we lay down with them. Uh, basically in the newborn phase, zero to six months, it is very normal, very appropriate and, and recommended that you do anything to help your baby go to sleep and go back to sleep. So in that newborn phase, if we're, if some of the moms are on the line listening, going, I have a four month old and I love co-sleeping with my baby. Fabulous. That's why, I mean, co-sleeping, it's all good. In those first six months of life, the number one goal is to really develop a healthy attachment with your baby, uh, recover from your birth, establish, you know, nice new family rhythms, you know, feel connected as a family and really get to know the personality of your baby. That's really what the, and if you're nursing, develop that nursing relationship. That's really what the first six months are about. And that's where it's perfectly normal and appropriate to, you know, like I said, nurse down, rock, hold, bounce, walk, wear, etc. Right. So meaning whatever you want to do to help your baby go to sleep and help your baby go back to sleep in the middle of the night or help your baby sleep during the day is all perfect and awesome. Okay. Now what happens is, is that lots of families hear about, you know, you hear the dreaded, you know, four to five month sleep regression. And so what happens at four to five months is that babies go into a giant cognitive and physical burst um, frame period of development. And 
often sleep gets really disruptive, really crazy, really bizarre. And so we as families or we as parents often have to keep doing more, more, more to help our babies go back, go to sleep and go back to sleep because the rolling milestone can be extremely disruptive. And there's a big cognitive burst with object permanence that goes on. And so babies just have a lot of disruptive sleep during that time. And so we have to do a lot more, which is okay. And then once they burst through that, which is usually around six or seven months, Sometimes what happens is, is all those lovely things that we were doing to support our baby's sleep, they start changing. And what I mean by that is they, uh, let's say it was really easy for you to nurse your baby down. It would take you 15, 20, 30 minutes. You put your baby down and they would stay asleep for a nice, beautiful four to five hour chunk. And then in the middle of the night, you could do a quick business nurse and they'd fall back asleep and it was very easy and peaceful. Or same thing with like bottle feeding or rocking. And then all of a sudden you start noticing when your child's seven months, eight months, nine months of age or older, that now when you go to to nurse or bottle feed or rock at the onset of sleep at bedtime, that instead of it taking 15, 20 minutes, now it's taking 40. Now it's taking an hour. Now when you go to transfer them to the crib, they pop awake. Then you have to do it three times. uh, Or Maybe you're lucky and you get them to go to sleep easily at the onset of sleep, but then all of a sudden their arousal cycles at night start to accelerate. And every single time you go in, the baby wants some other support. Like sometimes they want the pacifier replug. Sometimes they want um, to, to, to be held. Sometimes they want to nurse. Sometimes they want you to walk them around the bedroom. Like just think of it this way. A sleep crutch is defined as anything that has to be done two or four child at the onset of sleep at bedtime, the child will need some version of that same assistance at every arousal cycle all night long. So these sleep crutches in the beginning, in those first six months of life are extremely supportive and necessary. And then as we get into the older baby phase, which is six months to 12 months and beyond, those same sleep crutches will start to shift and change or new sleep crutches will pop up. And all of a sudden, these poor parents have this like menu of things that they have to do. So the first they have to nurse, then they have to rock, then they have to replug the passy, then they lie him down, then the baby's awake an hour later, then dad has to come in and do whatever his little menu of tricks and that work. And then two hours later, the baby's awake again, mom's got to nurse again, and now she's got to have the baby lay a certain way uh, on her chest after the nursing in order for the baby to go to sleep. Uh, or then she'll put her back in the the baby back in the crib and the baby will be awake. And then at this point it's two in the morning. And so the parents are exhausted. So they bring the baby to the co-sleeping environment in the master bedroom. And then in the middle of the night, the baby's rolling left to right. And it's just, you know, chaos. And what we're trying to do as parents is like, keep up with all the demands of the sleep crutches. And yet the sleep crutches are changing on a, you know, on a daily or weekly basis set to the point where we can't even keep up with them. Like meaning maybe last night it was really easy. And then, then you have like five nights of just disastrous where nothing that you offer the baby helps. And then you might go into a period where it's okay again. And then another 10 nights of really bad sleep because the sleep crutches are just no longer working for the baby. That actually is the sign that the baby is actually ready for independent sleep skills to actually learn those sleep skills of regulate, settle, soothe, because in many ways, the baby's saying to you, hey, mom and dad, I know that you're willing to hold me, rock me, co-sleep with me, feed me, pacifier me, etc. But none of those things are really sticking and holding anymore for me. And so I need to learn my independent sleep skills. So that's what happens with sleep crutch escalation. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, 
I think there might be some people who are listening and thinking, oh my God, that's me right now. And I really love that you said, like, that's actually a sign that they're ready because I think they might be feeling maybe a loss of hope at this right, moment. Right. Like, oh my God, like I, what did I, you know? And I think as, as a parent, it can be like feeling that guilt mm-hmm. of like, what did I do? Uh-huh. And that's like such a horrible, you know, place to be as well. So what is some hope that we can give these parents right now, you know, that might be going through this? You know what, Randy, you are so spot on. That's exactly the cycle that happens, right? We, you know, as mothers, we want to do, you know, as mothers and fathers, we want to do anything and everything to help our babies. I mean, we will go to the end of the earth. We will we will have multiple sleepless nights just to satisfy, right, the baby. And it is, it feels, many families come to me and that's exactly what they say. They're like, oh my gosh, I am feeling so overwhelmed, so guilt-ridden. I feel like I've created a monster. You know, I'm a, I must be a bad mother to have let this happen, right? That's what they often say to me. And I say, no, 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 no. That's not true at all. In fact, you're a fabulous mother because you were doing everything you possibly could to support your baby's sleep. You were doing everything you were supposed to do. The problem is, is that the sleep crutches escalated to a point that you could no longer keep up. And once you kind of, once I communicate that to the moms I'm talking to, they're like, you're right. I just couldn't keep up and that's okay. Right. It's okay that I couldn't keep up because now I can. Like you're human. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And so it's like, and there's. You don't have a, to be this superhuman. You don't have to be a superhuman. Expect all the time. And you didn't do anything wrong. You were doing everything right. You were doing everything yeah, you absolutely. should be doing to help support your baby's sleep. So it's almost like if you could kind of visualize, I always kind of, I'm a very visual person. So I, I always think of it as like, you kind of got the mom, you got the dad, you got the baby. And then there's this other entity, which is like, the sleep crutches, right? And it's like, it's like this, the sleep crutches that used to be the friendly neighbor <laughs> is no longer the, you know, now it's the bad neighbor, right? It's the bad. So then it's like, okay, let's, let's manage that. Like, let's help your baby learn their independent sleep skills. So they no longer have the need for the sleep crutches. And then, and better yet, we can help your baby learn these sleep skills in a, in a peaceful way. So that you have easy, calm, peaceful bedtimes so that your baby is sleeping consolidated throughout the night so that you're sleeping consolidated through the night so that you have a reliable routine both at bedtime and during the naps during the day so that you can appropriately plan your day, right? So that all the chaos that the the parents were living in when they were chasing the sleep crutches, we can replace that with predictability and consistency and drama-free bedtimes and you know peaceful quiet nights and by the way you can still be a nursing mom so if you choose to sleep coach you absolutely can still nurse you're always nursing at bedtime and you can still nurse in the middle of the night so that's another misconception like oh if i sleep train i'm going to jeopardize my nursing relationship and that's not true at all in fact it is you know really we want to make sure that the nursing relationship is where you know the child's really getting those beautiful nutritious nurses with all the hind milk and all of that. And so we want to, we want to keep anchoring that nursing relationship while also supporting the sleep skills. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. 
And I always tell my mom, my moms to drop the guilt and the shame. Like we don't need that anymore as a woman or as, <laughs> as a parent that really, you know, pursuing a new way to support your child in sleep is really what we're doing here. So we're shifting the focus on chasing the sleep crutches to supporting sleep in a more developmentally, you know, at that, at this age and stage of your child where it's gotten this difficult, we're shifting our focus and saying, okay, we're still supporting their sleep, but now we're helping them we're helping them learn to do it themselves so that we can support their sleep in a new way. So it's just kind of like looking at all the evolution of a baby's development and just recognizing it that way. Yeah. And so have you been able to help, you know, a lot of, I'm sure you have, but when they come to you and they're just, like you said, they feel like I tried everything, nothing's working. And maybe the kid really has, you know, escalated and just has a lot of sleep crutches. Are you able, like, what does that look like? Are you able to really help and support them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So no one, this is possible for anyone. This That's like po- what I want. Yeah. yeah. So yes. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. There is always a way to create the right sleep plan at with the right pace and the right methodology to have your child learn their sleep skills for a lifelong foundation of healthy sleep habits. Okay. Uh, there's always a way you have to have the right coach with the right experience, with the right methodology and the right you know, kind of coaching method that matches what your needs are in your family life. But most families come to me when they are, have tried and failed other sleep coaching protocols on their own. And they come to me really, really overwhelmed and exhausted and running on fumes most of the time. And obviously I can always help those families, but I, you know, I would like to to say a voice out to those of you, I don't, you know, let's not get you to fumes. <laughs> you know, let's, let's have you understand what's happening in your life. Now, if the sleep coaches are starting to change on you, you can actually do sleep coaching when you're not on fumes. Like it's better if you are a little bit more caught, you know, it's easier on you if you're already a little bit more cognizant and not as, and not totally hit rock bottom. Right. So that's why I'm hoping today, like this plea for parents to understand what really is happening and that there's hope and help available. Now, of course, if you're already on fumes, then let's, let's, you know, let's have you get help like immediately, right? Because your whole family will benefit from the support uh, with a trained, and the key is looking for a trained and certified sleep coach who is trained in the methodology that really resonates with your parenting style. Now, personally, I'm a trained and certified gentle sleep coach, which means a parent is always in the room offering verbal and physical assurances. My whole lens is through minimizing tears and frustration and really attachment theory and behavioral science and sleep science oriented. Um, But there's lots of different methodologies out there that might, that other families might be interested in. But, you know, going and interviewing a lot of, uh, you know, interviewing at least three sleep coaches, I think is the way to do it. I feel that finding the right sleep coach for a family is almost like when you're interviewing like a therapist, like you want to just feel really connect, you know, you want to feel like that you can communicate with that person that you can trust their process, that the process and the way that they coach is kind of meets the needs of your family and, and your family dynamic. I will also tell you that dads are absolutely critical to this process. Um, And so this has to be a unified decision. You know, this is not something mom does on her own. Okay. So I want to be really clear about that. This is when families hit sleep deprivation like this, and usually the mom is taking the burden of the wakings or the, the challenges, 
this is not something she can unravel by herself. This is something that really requires both parents to be actively involved in to lay down the right circumstances and the right environment for the child to learn their sleep skills. Whether you do it alone because you've you've chosen a book, I personally like Good Night Sleep Tight by Kim West. Or if you decide to to interview several coaches um, where both parents are on those interview calls and that you guys really find somebody that you resonate with that has you know the right pace and the right methodology and the right coaching process that seems like it's going to be supportive to you in the way that you need to be supported. Yeah, I love that so much. I think it's really important that parents know that there's you know, hope out there and that they can find a method that works for them. Because, you know, like I said, I'm not a parent, but when I heard the whole cry it out method, I'm like, that seems like it would be really hard. (laughs) Just like tell a parent, you know, you just got to let your kid cry it out. So I love that they're, that we're having this conversation and shedding light on, you know, really what you do. And I think it's such incredible work because, you know, you had to heal your Mm -hmm. sleep deprivation and go through this yourself Mm -hmm. in order to be able to now be helping other families. And you wouldn't have been able to do that if you didn't get that under control. So I just think it's so powerful. So I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for sharing this with my listeners. Absolutely. And I just, you know, I want to just say that there's always hope and help available that you don't have to do this alone there, you know, it's so wonderful now that I mean, it's fabulous that you can get on the internet and like look up a whole bunch of articles on sleep. But the one thing I just want all the the tired mommies and daddies to know is that you can't dabble with sleep coaching. Okay, it's a very, I liken it to being on a diet. Okay, so let's pretend you have your high school reunion coming up, and you know, you want to lose 10 pounds. If you're really serious about losing those 10 pounds, you are going to be very, very systematic and methodical about doing that. You know, you're going to, you're going to choose your meal plan. You're going to shop for the right ingredients. You're going to prep your meals. You're going to, you know, cancel the dinner dates. (laughs) You know, you might even hire a nutritionalist or uh, a trainer to help you. And you're going to take, you know, anywhere between, you know, four and six weeks to really be very mindful, very focused on your diet and your meal plan, right? It's very, very specific. And then with that consistency and that dedication and that mindfulness, you're going to attain your goals, right? Sleep coaching is very much the same way. You don't dabble with sleep coaching, just like you don't dabble with being on a diet. Like you're either on a diet or you're not, right? So you're either in a sleep coaching mode where you are really doing everything you can to create the right circumstances and environment to have your child learn the sleep skills over the course of anywhere between two and six weeks is what it takes. So depending on the age of the child, um, the nature of the sleep crutches, the temperament of the child, and obviously the goals of the family, you know, you can work a sleep plan at an appropriate pace for the child to lay down those foundational skills uh, and during that whole period, you know, everything you're doing is is focused on building, scaffolding the learning for your child and building that sleep plan day by day by day in order for them to learn their skills. So for a lot of families, they just start dabbling with sleep coaching and then they have all these miserable experiences. So, you know, those of you that are out there thinking about this and have had failed attempts, like a- ask yourself honestly, like, 
hey, did I just get frustrated one night and try crying it out and then it didn't work and so I just assumed it wasn't working? Did I read an article and get really motivated for two days and then I kind of gave up? Um, really, the foundation of learning begins at bedtime and builds itself throughout the night. You typically can't nap train and night train at the same time. That's often very difficult. So there's so many, so many pieces of the puzzle to be looking at to get really effective lasting results. And the thing, the other thing about sleep coaching is, is there's so many details and nuances that go into creating the right sleep plan and nurturing the progress on a day-to-day basis to accommodate the child's learning profile. I mean, every child has a different learning arc. And, you know, if you're, if you're trying to force a solution on a baby, it usually is a terrible result. So, as a coach, I'm always looking for like, okay, what are the signals of uh, readiness for this child? What appears to be some of their learning arc opportunities? How can we capture those learning arc opportunities? So it's very, very detailed, very nuanced, very systematic. And that's really where another misconception is um, that I wish I'd said earlier is that, you know, that dabbling doesn't work, which is why families are like, sleep coaching is awful. Like, Sleep coaching is not a terrible, awful thing. It's probably one of the most beautiful, supportive things you could ever do with your child. But if you don't do it in the right way, at the right time, with the right methodology, with the right guidance, then it might end up being a yucky experience. So don't make assumptions if you tried and failed that your child is just a bad sleeper for life. Just recognize that maybe we, you had not yet been able to provide the right circumstances and environment for your child to learn those skills. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And before my last question, is there anything you wish I would have asked you or a final message you would like to leave? Well, I would just say that since I've been a uh, trained and certified sleep coach, I have lived in four U.S. cities. And all in all different geographics around the United States. And I will tell you that this issue of sleep deprivation and overwhelm is everywhere and, and it's kind of silent. So a lot of moms don't want to, a lot of moms aren't talking about how exhausted they are. They're not sharing the reality that their, that their baby is not sleeping well because they feel guilty that like that like that are not a good mom because their baby's not sleeping well. And so therefore they stay silent. And I just really want to encourage all the parents out there that please don't stay silent. If you are having sleep challenges, we need, you you know, it it is, it it behooves you to seek the support and seek options uh, to help your baby get those, you know, get the sleep for their health and development, but also for the family unit to become well rested so that they can be their very best selves. Um, because it's, there's nothing worse than being a, a sleep deprived parent. You just, you're kind of living half a life and I really want my families to thrive and I, and, and to be well rested. And so please don't stay silent. Um, go seek help. There's lots of, you know, you can go to sleeplady.com. There's tons and tons of gentle sleep coaches all over the world. My website is blissfulbabysleepcoaching.com. Uh, families can um, schedule 45 minute sleep strategy session with me where I can look at your individual situation and we can talk about options. Uh, most sleep coaches offer that opportunity to interview them, which I always recommend that you do. And, you know, with some planning and research, you, you will definitely be able to find the support you need. 
That's amazing. And before my last question, I actually wanted to ask you this earlier. Do you work with people in person and virtually? I do. I do. So I'm personally located in the San Francisco Bay Area. But frankly, the majority of uh, my work is virtual. I use Zoom and I work with people uh, in the United States. And I'm just as effective whether I'm in person or not. Um, I would also say that there are some coaches that will come into your home. You know, again, this, it all comes down to what is your wish list, right? So there's always somebody and, you know, us sleep coaches, like we love to support families. So it, it's not unusual again to interview multiple people and other sleep coaches don't get weird or territorial about that. Like we want you to do your research so that you are committed, committed, you know, you know that you found the right person to help you and that it's going to be a joyful process. I mean, my, my goal is I want to do it. I want the you to go through the sleep coaching process feeling supported and move through it with grace and ease for lasting results. And you know, you want to do your research ahead of time. And most coaches are doing it virtually now and are very, very effective with uh, you know, because you can see each other on Zoom and by phone. It's great. Yeah, technology is amazing. Mm-hmm. So my last question that I ask all my guests is related to taking action because I think that's the key to integrating, you know, what we learn mm-hmm. on listening through listening to podcasts and, you know, different things like that. We have to actually start to take action. Mm-hmm. So what would be three action steps that they could take today to live a more uplifted life, specifically through getting more blissful sleep? Well, the first thing would be to, you know, get honest with yourself. You know, are you tolerating sleep challenges in your household? Is is what is the sleep situation in your household offering your family harmony? You know, um, do you feel like you have a predictable schedule? Do you feel like you have time for yourself or your spouse in the evening? Are you, you know, are you exercising and eating well and doing all the things you need to do to be the optimal parent you want to be? If your child's lack of sleep is inhibiting that, then it's time to get honest and and have that conversation with your spouse and say, hey. I think we might be in a situation where we need to look at laying down the foundation of sleep skills for our baby. So that'd be first step, get honest, get, you know, get real. And then, you know, second step would definitely be like, have a conversation as a family to talk about, you know, how you might want to approach this. Um, The third step would be ask for help, right? Which is, um, as I mentioned, you go to sleeplady.com. There's tons of gentle sleep coaches there. You could go to my website, blissfulbabysleepcoaching.com and request a 45-minute sleep strategy session. You can you know, get the, the, the Good Night Sleep Tight book. There's wonderful age-appropriate sections that will really help you start thinking about this. So if you're not ready to take action, at least start reading the right literature that has accurate information. And um, you want to read literature that is specific to the age and stage of your child. So those would be my three action steps that I would recommend for your families right now. That's amazing. Thank you so much for those tips and just for being here and sharing your knowledge and expertise with my audience. I know it's going to be really helpful for so many people, I think, with kids, without kids, just understanding this process, I know for myself personally, has been really eye-opening. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with me. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one. 
if this episode really resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you screenshot and share it with your friends and family or share it on your Instagram story. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which helps me spread the message and get the podcast heard by more people. For more self-love and powerlifting inspiration, come follow me on Instagram or join my private Facebook group, Self Love School. The links are in the show notes. And until next time, stay uplifted.